0: and welcome to episode 2 of this little series that we're doing here at One for the World St Andrews. Uh, I'm Vaishnavi and today me and Hannah are going to be talking about tropical diseases. Uh, Hannah, do you want to start with a little introduction about yourself and how you got involved with One for the World at St Andrews? Sure.
1: Um, my name is Hannah Playa. I'm in my second year here in St Andrews studying biology and philosophy. Uh, I'm really passionate about global health and development, policymaking, and just doing good. So that's basically why I joined One for the World. It's just really comforting to know that you have some good impact on the world, even if you have no idea what you're doing with your life. (laughs)
0: Uh, Yeah, I I think I definitely agree with all of your reasons. And we both study biology. So I think uh, global health is definitely a big part of why I wanted to get involved as well. Yeah. I just have some questions based on the fellowship uh talk that you gave um so i had a look at the website that you mentioned and it's www.worldpoverty.io um for anyone who wasn't there uh it has some graphs and this live counter that i found really interesting i assume it estimates the number of people in the world that are living in extreme poverty like right now um so good news i wasn't expecting this but the number is decreasing in most parts of the world but it is increasing in the Middle East and North Africa, uh, which is why I assume we're doing worse with extreme poverty than we predicted. So we predicted that we'd be at a certain point, but we are doing worse. What do you think are some of the main reasons that, uh, A, the reduction hasn't been even across the world, and B, why we haven't managed to hit the target that the prediction sort of gave us?
1: Yeah, so you're right. In the past 20 years, there has been tremendous progress in eradicating extreme poverty. Like It went from about 1 billion people in the 90s to now 170 million, um, which is great, but still 170 million people is still a lot of people. Um, so, yeah, recently it did start to slightly increase again, and we are of target for the SDG um but yeah i guess poverty is linked to loads of factors um like education clean water good infrastructure and health which again has loads to it and all of these um are also affected by wars um and like national conflicts and international conflicts um so it's kind of hard to properly determine how much the lack of each factor contributes to extreme poverty um, but in my opinion and I'm definitely not alone with it uh, health is the biggest contributor so I would say that the lack of progress in eliminating diseases that affect the poor disproportionately to the wealthy is one of the main reasons why we're not where we should be.
0: Uh, I, imagine, I imagine COVID then has had a, a massive impact on that it's probably uh, created yes. some kind of effect there.
1: Yes. Um, So, again, it contributed to a lot of factors and through a number of things. Um, It pushed over 100 million people into extreme poverty, um, according to the World Bank. And this is because obviously because of the acute symptoms, also long COVID, which prevent people from working. Um, Mm -hmm. Also, the larger scale economic consequences and the fact that it has been the only thing we've been talking about and caring about for like a good year now. Um, so it really draws attention away from other issues.
0: Yeah, uh, jumping on from that, I guess, how do you think One for the World fits into this equation? How do you think pledging plays a role in solving or tackling some of these issues? So
1: it targets um, issues that have been neglected, because um, I think there's a lot more attention there at people living in extreme poverty now than there was before. But most of the actions and interventions are not very effective. Like I'm sure you heard about a lot of volunteerism that's going yeah, on in yeah. Yeah, Sub-Saharan African and South Asian countries, and people go and build a house or teach a few kids about sex. But <laughs> yeah, this costs thousands of pounds per volunteers. Mm-hmm. Um, and their impact is arguably not that big. Yeah. Um, so by pledging 1% of our income or our future income, if you don't have one yet, um, we can direct money to charities that are working on these issues very effectively. Uh, there's a list curated by GiveWell, which is a great charity evaluator and it's up on one for the world site, Um, and it includes the most effective charities in the world. And these work to eradicate extreme poverty through a variety of means, um, but there are quite, are quite a few that focus on diseases like malaria and neglected tropical diseases. There's also one um, called Give Directly that does direct cash transfers to families in need, so they can build their own houses and educate their own children.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, that I definitely I think is resonates with me in terms of why why One for the World and why Pledge? I mean, I, I Pledge quite recently, I've only recently heard of One for the World, but the idea of steering away from performative activism, especially with the, uh, you talked about volunteerism, I think, especially, I mean, young people, it's easy to get drawn into that, the, like the way these companies sell these trips to you, like uh, they tell you, oh, well, well, we'll pay for you to go, we'll take you on this trip. And you'll be doing a good thing. Whereas, how much good are you actually doing? But with one for the world, there's there's like statistics. There's they they have the receipts for how you're actually helping.
1: Yeah, and we're not. And I'm not like trying to shame people who do these. Yeah, of course, of course. There are like most of the times there are good intentions behind them. Mm -hmm. Um, Just trying to raise awareness that there are better, more effective ways of um doing good
0: yeah absolutely um so on that note of education i'd say i guess uh disease diseases global health i think it's a topic that uh people are familiar with on the surface level we we see adverts on tv we we hear about i mean especially now actually people i think are more aware about uh, pandemics and global health in general um but what i found personally quite interesting are what you talked about in regard to neglected tropical diseases or NTDs. Uh, do you want to talk a little bit, about, little bit about those and just introduce them?
1: Yes, absolutely. Um, so if you Google neglected tropical diseases, um, you'll actually find that there's no consensus on what exactly they are. Um, the major like, health organisations, CDC and WHO, disagree with each other and then also contradict themselves. Um, so it's really a bit of a mess. Um, but there are roughly 10 to 15 diseases with a variety of symptoms, um, like inflamed intestines, diarrhea, malnutrition, skin conditions, blindness, but also cognitive delays. So yeah, lots of different things that are very lethal, but they result in long-term disabilities, which is the key here. Um, Mm -hmm. but they can be treated very easily because most of them are caused by parasitic worms, Um, that can be eradicated by very cheap deworming medicines, like a tenth of a dollar per person per year, and they are gone. Um, They are called neglected, because considering how big of a burden they are with these long-standing disabilities, there's very little attention to them, and for most of them, the limiting factor of the eradication is the lack of access to these treatments, which is Absolutely ridiculous because they are so cheap and easy to administer. Um, They are tropical um, because currently they are only really prevalent in the tropical regions of the world where most of the lowest income countries are. But the parasites can actually be found all over the world. It's just that the diseases associated with them have basically been eradicated from high income countries in the past 100 years or so.
0: Yeah, I think I think that it becomes quite easy to distance ourselves from the issue because well, we've I think we've managed to distance ourselves from the issue slightly, taking for granted the fact that there is relatively less uh, widespread disease here and also better access to healthcare here, which I think probably plays a role in that. Um I, I do wonder whether the pandemic is going to shift people's mindsets slightly and move to an understanding that while this is a year of absolute chaos for us and we, we in no way were, were ready for this, this kind of um, seeing disease all around you is a regular occurrence for so many countries. Um, yeah. I, I do hope that we're One for the World shows people that, that this kind of society is a privilege and is something that, a privilege that needs to be Checked.
1: you said that we are more aware of our health and i think that is true but i'm not sure if this pandemic is enough for our awareness yeah. to be like kept <laughs> um, um, and it's it's a bit sad really that we only really think about hard things or like yeah diseases um or basically anything that's like um negatively affect us um then it actually happens to us. Um, and obviously we are in a really privileged position and we live in high income countries. Um, and so it's, it, you really have to, um, try and see what's going on elsewhere. Um, and not just live in your own little echo chamber.
0: Yeah. I think, I think some of that, uh, like the with reference to like how much attention we give diseases i think that kind of links well to my next question which was that obviously we a lot of education i think has happened about malaria in the past few years
1: mm. uh,
0: the who aims to eliminate it entirely by 2013 and i'd say that has been some pretty impressive progress that's come from this kind of activism and education and obviously work by countless charities and ngos um however with malaria no longer really being considered a neglected tropical disease. Where do you think we should point our focus next? Like, what what disease do you think should be the next focus of these these large large scale campaigns, like with malaria? Mm.
1: Yes, there's been really good progress with malaria in the past few years, and it is basically eradicated in Southeast Asia. Um, it is the probably... oh, that's good news. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but it is still very prevalent in sub-Saharan Africa. So there's still definitely need for action in terms of distributing bed nets and anti-malaria medication like the Against Malaria Foundation does. Um, And I believe there has finally been some progress with the vaccine too, um, (laughs) based on the same um, RNA method that um, the COVID vaccine has. So I think that is in the animal testing phase now. But yeah, you're right. There are other more neglected diseases that cause a lot of harm, like the NTDs I mentioned before. Um, And I think the next one to be tackled will and should be um, schistosomiosis. It's Mm -hmm. the most prevalent of those and it causes debilitating intestinal symptoms and it can also lead to blindness. There are a few very effective charities, like the Ant Fund and the Schistosomiasis Control Initiative, that are doing great work by distributing cheap and effective deworming treatments, because, again, this is caused by a worm, and it's a really, like, yeah, it makes me really mad that basically all of these neglected tropical diseases have impossible names, and they sound very intimidating when they're just worms which goes like obviously really (laughs) bad symptoms but it's really easy to understand Uh, and yet it still has a really just a really complicated name yeah uh
0: the malaria vaccine is really promising though i remember just a few years ago i think i i went to something at the like an exhibition by the royal society in london and there was a stand there and there was a lady talking about how like the malaria vaccine was like far-fetched. It was really, really difficult. And then to go from that and to hear now that there's been really good progress with it and there's a chance of it really being something that we can readily distribute is, is really good to hear. It's not often that we hear good news these days. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, I guess uh, with in reference to the what you said about worms, absolutely, I completely agree. The word neglected is very unfortunately in the name. Um. I would have always said I had quite a strong interest in tropical disease. I still do. But I genuinely hadn't heard of most of the these uh, NTDs. What do you, what role do you then think that education for the public played? Like how with malaria, malaria became something of a household name. People were quite aware of it as an issue. How do you think education in regards to these NTDs play a role? Mm.
1: Um, I think it's less about education and more about raising awareness and the stigmatizing because mm-hmm. most entities are caused by parasitic worms. So they're really not conceptually difficult. Um, yeah. Like, yeah, I'm pretty sure most people know that living with worms will decrease your life quality a lot.
0: Um, mm-hmm.
1: The problem I think is that we're not aware that they are still an issue as we talked yeah. about um, because they're, Really, not an issue in high income countries. They also have ridiculous names that are impossible to pronounce and (laughs) like built into a conversation. Like, I had to practice schistosomiasis (laughs) a lot (laughs) for me to be able to just say it. And there are like 13 more that I have no chance of pronouncing. Um, Yeah, also, no one really likes to talk about worms maybe, except me, (laughs) because, (laughs) well, they are a bit yucky, Um, and also, like, not super exciting, I guess, because they are no super mutant virus or anything, Um, just worms, (laughs) but honestly, I think we should just get over it and talk about them, Um, have them in school curricula, Um, because I remember that, I did learn about some of these worms, but no one really said that these were still an issue. <laughs> like yeah. Nothing about their impact or anything. Um, and yeah, I just spread the word. I know that discussion doesn't actually mean action all the time, but I don't think action is possible without discussion
0: yeah uh, i absolutely agree with you uh I, again with worms I, I was trying to think about maybe what i had heard about it and not, i think we had a talk in school once about um worms but that's all i can think of <laughs> yeah <laughs> i can't remember anything that they said to me like
1: don't eat raw meat because you <laughs> will get worms that, that <laughs> was the said.
0: yeah yeah um well i guess Kind of on the, the, similar again, with education, but not necessarily for the public. Um, You mentioned earlier about how some of the diseases we have cost-effective treatments, we just don't distribute them or we just don't use them. How do you think we can progress in terms of policymakers and getting them to pay attention to these issues and enact sort of widespread change, like large-scale change, the way that governments have the power to do?
1: Yeah, I, I guess this is about um, like systemic change versus individual action. Because mm-hmm. really, pledging and giving money for charities is more individual action. Um, and honestly, <laughs> I really don't know how like policymaking actually works. I really want to know how it works, but I think it just it's so complicated to actually get things mm-hmm. through. Um, but I think, again, talking about these issues more, using social media to raise awareness, it that looks like something that sometimes works. Um, um, talking to MPs and I guess just having conversations like this um, is what we can do now. And if we become or we, we no leaders, um, then... I guess having a personal impact but i i'm really not sure but yeah uh, on the mp note there's actually going to be a discussion event about the uk's foreign aid policies i believe um yeah it's international
0: aid spending
1: yeah um in the coming weeks so keep an eye on that um i think that's that's gonna be really useful to get a little insight into how policies are actually made and like what prevents um like high income countries from from actually happening in a useful way um because yeah foreign aid does exist but then where does it go <laughs> what happens with yeah. it
0: uh, i agree with you about how it is difficult to get governments to do what we want them to um on the note of individual action then how do you think one for the World and pledging can contribute towards uh, maybe tackling some of the other issues why these, why these disease, diseases actually end up being neglected in the first place and what what we can do as individuals.
1: Mm. So yeah, One for the World's main aim is to actually raise money for these super effective charities through continuous donations, that is the main thing. Um, and we are targeting uni students because while they usually don't have an income yet they're still very keen to do something yeah. good yeah so this way they can sort of set their intentions and take the pledge to donate the 1% uh when they do have an income um mm-hmm. so other than this um i guess through our events we help facilitate the discussion around these issues and provide a platform for people who actually want to go into policymaking or global health or something like that. Um, As a hearer, like myself, um, yeah, the current students will someday be earning money and some of them will be in high up leading roles, either in corporates or governments. So I think sort of planting the seed that we really should be doing something about these diseases has the potential to make a lot of change in the future, both by raising money and sensitising future leaders.
0: Yeah, I agree. Who knows? Someone we, someone that pledges based on this podcast, might just be the next prime minister and increase <laughs> spending of, on international aid. Um, yeah. Uh, so that's. That, those are all the questions I had. Uh, thank you, everyone, for listening. Uh, please come along to all of our lovely events that we have during pledge week and if you have any questions regarding one for the world or how to pledge or anything else um, get in touch email us we're on facebook we're on instagram at onefortheworld.sta